I am John J. Gay. I'm joined by Amy Walls, as always, from Thimbleberry Financial. This is the Thimbleberry U podcast. Welcome, Amy. Hi, Jag. It's good to be talking to you. How are you today? I'm good, and I'm excited about today's topic because we spend a lot of time talking about financial planning and uh, helping our listeners plan their retirement, their financial futures. And I know a lot of our listeners from the podcast have come and talked to you at Thimbleberry, maybe become clients. But something we really haven't gotten into in the couple of years we've been doing the podcast is a little bit of an inside what it's like to work with you and your team. So let's start with kind of the elevator pitch. What is that makes your relationship with your clients at Thimbleberry different? I think one of the things I would point to on this, and it's not necessarily something we even talk to clients about, but our firm has six core values. One of them is integrity, just doing the right thing no matter what. Um, that means if we make a mistake, we're going to own it. And it's something we remind each other about on a regular basis. Um, being personal, that's another core value. Personal to us isn't just being friendly, but we actually want our clients to be people that we'd be happy to have over to our house for dinner. Yeah. As we define it, that is part of our definition, that we'd be able to invite them over. Mm-hmm and feel comfortable doing so. Predictable is another one of our core values. So we try to act on this not only with clients, but internally as a team too. And what that really means is that we do what we say we're going to do it. And now I think we all know that there are times when things are outside of your control, something blows up and something's not going to happen on the time frame that you set or set an expectation for. So in this, our commitment is to let someone know when we find out that we're not going to be able to meet a commitment, Mm -hmm. let them know that that's the case and what the new expectation should be. Got it. Another core value for us is simplicity. And I really wish I had a simple way to explain this, but (laughs) um, (laughs) what we deal with is so complex and we want to make it as simple as possible. You know, we talk about, like I said, the other core values too, but this is one that comes up so frequently as we're working together. Um, Even sending an email, can we make it simpler? Can we present it in a way that it takes, you know, one second to grasp what we want versus five seconds, both for clients and again, how we communicate inside our team. Mm -hmm. Another core value is focused. This is being prepared when we go into meetings, knowing what we're talking about, um, being present. Then our last core value is control, which control is often a, you know, a negative word. And it was hard to add this to our core values initially, but how we ended up defining control is that we know we are not the right fit for everybody. Okay. And it's okay to say that and that we have a pattern and a process. We're very process oriented because of that. We have to decide as a firm how we can serve clients and what we can do for clients. And we can't be all things to all people. Right. Or we won't take care of our clients well. I think what you're saying in that last point is almost universal of all small business owners. I think about my small business. And when I first started, it was, I'd be crazy to turn on any revenue. I'll take any client I can get. But as my business has grown, I've realized that there are some clients that aren't the best fit for me. And I can refer them to somebody who might be a better fit or I, or I just say, you know what? I don't think this is the right vibe. This is not going to be the right uh, solution for you or for me. There's something about being able to say that that I think can go a long way. 
I, I like what you're saying, Jag, and I don't want this to be about us. We pick these core values as a way for us to know that we could take care of clients. But I think what I like about the piece that's that's control too is it lets us set appropriate expectations with clients. Mm-hmm. I think the work that we do, we do well because we make sure we are on the same page as our clients as to what to expect. Okay. So let's talk about the team specifically. The only face that I know is yours because I see it as we record the podcast. I know some email addresses and that's about it. But take us inside Dibbleberry Financial and explain to our audience what the team looks like. Yeah, well, currently we are all women. It's not on purpose, um, but it definitely makes us unique in financial services. Um, We've had a number of clients, including men, say they prefer to work with female professionals because they feel like... um, women here at a different level, what's being said. And one of... What's that? I'm sorry. Could you repeat that? Yeah, that women here... Oh. I <laughs> <laughs> gotcha. Totally did. Um, but one of the things we talk about inside our team is one of our jobs is to hear the questions behind the questions. Ah. That's what we're looking for when someone asks something or someone says something. Um, sometimes we may have a client that makes a statement... And the statement may appear to be fine, but when you think about why are they actually saying that, or it may appear like a random comment, Hmm. it's because it's giving us some insight into what they're connecting between parts of the work we do with them. Well, and that's something you've talked about in previous episodes, Amy, is the psychology behind money and investing and really listening, I I like the way you put that, listening to the statements and then the statements behind the statements of understanding what makes your clients tick and really being able to better advise them knowing where certain things they say comes from. Yeah, we try. (laughs) We definitely try. Um, We have recently grown and are undergoing some restructuring as we figure out the best way to move forward, right? When you go from You know, it was me and one person at one point, and now we have uh, me and six team members, one of which, which is very exciting, sits for her CFP exam this summer. And um, once she gets through all of her licensing, we anticipate being our next advisor. So great. Yeah. One of the things that when I started Thimbleberry, I said is that one of my goals was to have clients only talk to me and two to three other people on the team. Okay. And obviously if there's now seven of us, who do I talk to about what? That's a lot of people. And when you go to your doctor's office, there's only a couple people you talk to. Hmm. You talk to the scheduler, you talk to the medical assistant uh, or the nurse that does all the prelim work. Yeah. Right. Before you see the doctor, you don't have 15 people that you're talking to when you go to the doctor. And with what we deal with being so complex and needing to know both the personality of clients and how they think about things, as well as the data points that are important, that's why I came up with this goal of clients talk to me and two to three other people. And so what we are in the process of working on is rolling out what I'll right now call service teams. Okay. For clients. And so I obviously, as the advisor, I'm going to be part of this. But in addition, the service team would involve a paraplanner, an investment operations specialist, and then also our office manager. Sure. Okay. So a paraplanner is kind of like a paralegal, if that means something. Basically, their job is to 
collect data, make sure financial plans are updated, that the information around the plans updated makes sense. Um, they do research for me on certain topics uh, related to a client. And then for us, they also act as a project manager around everything we do for that particular client. Okay. Then there's an operations specialist. This is the person that is executing distributions or processing money into accounts, opening new accounts, um, paperwork related to investment accounts. And then our lovely office manager schedules, helps clients get to the right person. Um, There's some transactions that may just come up that she can handle. They're all delightful. <laughs> you know, now that we're going through this, Amy, there's something I've been meaning to ask you for two years, and it keeps I keep slipping my mind, and now I'm going to ask it. Where did the name Thimbleberry come from? Oh, my goodness. I'm so glad you asked that. So a Thimbleberry is a real berry. Okay. This is a question I get a lot, like, how did you make up the name Thimbleberry? No, it's real. It is a thornless gourmet raspberry that grows wild from the coast to the mountains here in the Pacific Northwest. Really? Yes. And it cannot be cultivated. It actually grows under conifers. Okay. Okay. So you can't really cultivate a conifer field and plant thimbleberries. That would be pretty difficult. So when I was looking for a name for the company and I came across, you know, the idea of thimbleberry, I thought this is so cool because it can't be cultivated. So it grows wild. So it's like the markets in that we don't get control over it. We don't get influence over it, right? This berry is out there at the whim of the weather at the coast or up in the mountains, doesn't matter. Mm -hmm. And it's experiencing all of these storms. And in the end, what you get is this thornless, which is way better than a thorny raspberry, (laughs) uh, you know, gourmet raspberry. So I just love the analogy related to what we do, which is about getting to goals. And one of the tools for getting to those goals is the market and investments. But we only have so much influence. We don't get control over the market, right? And you can still reach this goal. So I just thought the Thimbleberry is perfect analogy. I'm so glad I asked that question because I've always been wondering that in the two plus years we've been working together. I'm so glad I finally asked you. (laughs) Okay, so we talked about the office staff and putting together teams, uh, service teams, as you mentioned. What does the client relationship actually look like? Pre-pandemic, we were in the office. We did very little virtually. Mm -hmm. Um, In fact, I did not like meeting with clients virtually. And most of the time we ended up doing it over the phone versus, you know, one of our many screen sharing tools. Through the pandemic, we have been virtual and anticipate opening here shortly for some in-person appointments. But I will say we've surveyed our clients and they don't want in-person appointments. They want to stay virtual. And so it will be limited and it will be to our existing clients. Our plan is to continue to stay virtual for new clients. It's funny. I mean, there is something valuable about the face-to-face, but I can tell you that my wife and I, the financial advisor that we just switched to is, I think, two and a half miles from our house. And we have no desire to go to the office. We would rather just pull the iPad and have a conversation with them and take care of what we need to take care of. So it's funny how the world has certainly changed in the last couple of years, for sure. Absolutely. I also wonder too, Jag, do you wonder about if at some point we'll make a big flip back the other direction? Like we'll miss that personal contact so much. And I ask that because, for example, in the many years I've been doing this, prospective clients have filled out the form on our website. And since probably November, December, Almost everybody who contacts us has picked up the phone. It's a 180 degree switch. 
I think, given the events of the last two years, I'm going to take a knee and punt on this one because I have no idea what's going to happen throughout 2022. But I think I do see those conflicting forces at play between wanting human contact and convenience. And it'll be interesting to see how that plays out. Absolutely. We're starting to run out of time, Amy. But before I forget, I do want to ask you, because I think a lot of people don't understand this. How do you get paid by your clients? Yeah, it's a good question. So there's two bodies of work we do with our clients. The first is financial planning. We go through planning each year with our clients and we do charge for it. Um, The cost for financial planning is based on complexity. Mm -hmm. So it's different for each client. And once we figured out that we feel like personality wise we're a fit and that it's a situation that we can add enough value to, um, because that is something we definitely look for in the relationship then we figure out what that cost is. But we don't have a minimum amount of assets or a minimum income. Because we do planning, it's kind of this, is there a way we can help that is valuable enough for the client? So that's the first body of work. Then we are also paid just like any other investment advisor off of the investments. And that is almost always a percentage of the assets under management and it's tiered. Mm -hmm. So what I mean by that is the more money a client has with us, the lower that cost is. Got it. And last part of this is kind of a buzzword in the financial industry as, as of late, Amy. Are you a fiduciary? And can you explain what that is very quickly? Yeah, we are a fiduciary. So fiduciary, I could spend a whole podcast or two on this topic. I think we have. (laughs) (laughs) We might have. Um, There's different ideas of this in the industry. Some people say it's you are only a fiduciary if you are fee only. That is not correct. Um, It's making things much more black and white than they are. We are fee based. Almost all of our work is on the fee side of the business, which is considered more fiduciary than the commission side. But sometimes there is something, maybe it's a client needs life insurance, or there's investment that doesn't need to be monitored and managed. So they don't need to pay us, you know, on a regular basis to monitor something that doesn't need monitoring. So there are reasons that the commission side um, can make more sense. So we are a hybrid, meaning we can do both, but 99 plus percent of what we do is on the fee-based side. That said, I am also a certified financial planning practitioner. And as such, I've agreed to a fiduciary standard that is higher than what exists in our industry. And I think that's really important to note. The CFP designation, choosing to do that, voluntarily aligns someone to that fiduciary standard more than what our industry has. So I keep using this word fiduciary, but fiduciary simply means you're going to do what's in your client's best interest all the time. Perfect. Well, now that we've gotten to know a little bit more about you and the team that works with you at Thimbleberry Financial... If somebody wants to come talk to you, meet with the team, see if it's a good fit for planning their financial future, what are the best ways to reach you and your team, Amy? Yeah, I'll throw the phone number out here first since that seems to be everyone's preference these days. It's uh, 503-610-6510, but they can also um, go to our website, thimbleberryfinancial.com and click on the chat with us button. Excellent. Good stuff, Amy. We'll talk again soon. Sounds great, Jag. Registered representative, securities offered through Cambridge Investment Research, Inc., a broker-dealer, member FINRA, SIPC. Investment advisor representative, Cambridge Investment Research Advisors, Inc., a registered investment advisor. Cambridge and Thimbleberry Financial are not affiliated.